It's time for the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stress, and I know whether you're starting a small business, you're a solopreneur, or a leader in a large company, you need to collaborate with people. I want to help you make those collaborations fulfilling, productive, and as profitable as possible. So every Monday morning, we'll drop a new podcast episode to do just that. So let's get into today's discussion. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. Thanks for coming back for another show with us here on the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. So today we're going to dig into evaluating your evaluations. And it may sound like, oh, that sounds kind of boring in a sense. But, you know, evaluations are always a touchy subject. People dread giving them. People dread getting them. Most people don't want any kind of negative feedback, even if it's constructive. They just don't want it. I mean, you think about day to day, you have interactions with your managers already, or as a leader, how many times do you feel like writing them takes a long time and you really got other stuff to do? And not many people really truly look at it like an amazing time to just pull the car over. We're on this long journey on an interstate going through business and achieving things. Like you think of uh, Simon Sinek's Infinite Game that, um, you know, that opportunity to pull the car over, just have a conversation. But it does raise some questions, even with the most effective ways of doing it, because then you have to ask yourself, are they really effective? You think about when you get them and how long the evaluation period is. I mean, are you not a different person than you were six months ago, nine months ago? So how effective are they now? Do they really help people improve? I mean, yeah, we, we, we set some goals and things, but do they help people improve? And yeah, I said people, not employees. I mean, you're, you're people and everybody thinks employees because really what we're getting down to in evaluations is behavior, daily behaviors and decisions, right? I mean, that's what everything revolves around. It doesn't matter how cool your mission statement is, even how clear your message is, all of those things, but it's what people are doing day in and day out, what you as the leader are allowing to happen day in and day out that sets that environment, that sets that culture. So a couple other questions. Should your career depend on who writes them? That's usually one of the biggest things when people are getting evaluations, you know, they don't always work for the same person or in the same department or even same company. Obviously, a lot of people shift around. And even in the same company, though, you're like, well, we have one vision. We have one mission. We have one procedure guide for all the stuff we do. Yet you work for one manager and you're a superstar and you work for another one and you're too quiet. You don't show up enough. Um, all those things just kind of come into play just depending on who actually writes it. And that really drives people crazy when they look at those things and they say, but I've done the same amount of work, the same kind of work at the same level, or hopefully even a little better. But you're you're sitting there thinking to yourself, why is this evaluation different? So that's what really gets to people and, and makes it challenging when you're giving one that you, um, how you're writing it. So you think about the performance that was a year ago, should that be considered now? Because usually you go past the year mark and then it's like really in the next quarter 
before you get it. So just for round figures, we're, we're talking about something that happened, either an incident with a customer or a product launch or something from January or February of 2020. And now here you are getting an evaluation 13 months later in March of 2021. And is that fair to bring up anymore when you think, hey, for the last nine months, maybe six, so it does bring up the question, is that, should that be on there? Should it, or, or just, is, it, is it just a pass fail evaluation? Does your manager say things like, well, nobody's perfect? Because a lot of people on evaluations, they have all different ways. Companies have all different ways of a sliding scale of, you know, whether you're a, an outperformer or um, you're a role model or, or you, you, you know, needs improvement, satisfaction, undersatisfaction, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, so it's all subjective, of course. And managers, there are managers out there that, nope, nobody's perfect. Well, maybe not in everything, but certainly, you know, people in your office or your, your company or your business that maybe they're just an absolute rock star taking care of customers. I mean, just the poster child. Like every time you hire somebody, you say, hey, go, go work with Jennifer. Jennifer is amazing. Jennifer is outgoing. Do what she does, which really isn't like great leadership. Just like say, go work with that person. But, but as an example, so maybe Jennifer isn't awesome at recording sales. Maybe she's not awesome at doing paperwork or busy work or things like that. She is an absolute people person, but how do you not score her at the high rating possible just for that. And I've, I've seen that time and time again, where managers say, well, nobody's perfect. Everybody gets, you know, whatever's in the middle. And that's ridiculous. Or how about this one? And this is what really turns people off. How everybody's performing is how you're going to be scored. And I would say as a leader, and this is really more predominant to doing evaluations for other leaders, that you do have to consider two things when writing their evaluation of what is actually happening in that department. Like what successes are they actually having versus what is the influence of that leader to make that happen? So there are two things there, and I get all that. So don't get me wrong, but if you're not in a leadership position, although hopefully the culture table has been set for you to have some ownership, that that might still apply. But how many times have you seen that excuse of, well, the whole department as a whole is not hitting its goals or just barely missed it or whatever. And you could truly have that one person that maybe is outperforming three or four other people, but yet you hold them back and say, well... The department didn't make it, so I can't justify saying you're you're a rock star because my boss is going to say, how's that pop? All those things, and that's just not right. So let's have a little fun here of some cringeworthy comments uh, from evaluation. So you think about this. This is um, cringeworthy comments on evaluations from an article from a Business News Daily editor on May 2020. So check some of these out. Uh, the first one said, my man, my ex-manager, I mean, obviously they're not gonna stick around, but the ex-manager said, my greatest strength was your listening abilities. Well, there might not be actually anything going on in your head, but you seem like you're listening. I mean, what do you do with that? Your greatest strength is your listening abilities, but there not, might not be anything going on in your head. How do you respond to that. Uh, another one, boss spent 70% of the review talking about her husband and 30% of just really mundane, ridiculous little things and saying things like if some team member could have paper clips removed from incoming paperwork, that would be a big improvement. So talking about really herself, she's talking about her husband, but then like just some mundane thing that has nothing to do with your performance, bringing that up. I have a personal one myself. 
that happened to me many, many years ago. And this leader actually looked at me and said, well, I, I didn't rate you that high uh, because, you know, your 70% is uh, just like everybody else's 100%. But I think there's more that you could be doing. Even though you outperform them, I think you're holding back. So it wasn't about the work I was actually doing. It was compared to everybody else. And I think everybody could do a little bit more if they wanted to, for sure. And so to, to equate that is just kind of kind of ridiculous. But then the same person said, so finished it up with this. He goes, well, I, I don't think you're quite ready to be promoted right now. But, you know, maybe in 60 or 90 days, I can recommend you. And then just stop right there. Didn't say what to do in those 60 or 90 days. I wasn't sure what magical metamorphosis I was going to have in 60 or 90 days, but literally wrote that as if almost in their mind to say, well, I probably said something satisfactory, so they're not so angry because I said I would recommend them just not right now, but down the road. I mean, none of that even makes any sense. So I don't even know how you wrap your brain around that. In an article in Inc.com, they were given biased language on my reports as as a problem. So the leader's telling this individual that he had way too much bias language in his reports. So he asked for examples and the leader said, just go back and read them and you can figure it out. So he did. This guy turned in one report for the year and it was all numbers and dates. It was a financial report. So the guy laughed and said, I guess I just hate the number nine. So I, I just, <laughs> you know, you hear these horror stories. It's bad enough that if you even just follow evaluations and try to sound sort of somewhat helpful, this kind of stuff happens all the time. And I bet a lot of you listening right now are probably like talking right back at the podcast. Oh, this happened to me. This happened to me. And, and you can catch me on LinkedIn if you want. And you can send that in. I'd love to hear it because I've heard some doozies. So it, it, it's just amazing. And the last one, the last one, this person was told they need to say please and thank you less often on an evaluation. Please and thank you less often. Who who says that? I, I don't know. So let's kind of turn our attention to the leader a little bit. You're the one writing the evaluations. So let me ask you this. What affects your outlook on that evaluation? Because it, it could be a multitude of things. How it's written. Like what is the format you don't like? Like some evaluations are very verbose, that you have to write a lot of comments. Others are just a number system, just a rating. You just do it, you know, one through five, one through seven, something like that, and you move on. And you don't really, uh, you know, expand anything. So are you really helping that person? Now, what about biases? And, and every time we talk about biases and, and, and uh, blind spots, unconscious bias, I, I know the big ones, you know, we talk about race and gender. I get that. But there's a lot of nuances to biases of, of how people are educated, where they come from, how they act. I mean, you can have somebody who cranks out a ton of work, but just the way they talk to other people drives you crazy. And you have to deal with all that. So, you know, how do you deal with your biases? And, and we all have got them. And, and you really have to, when, when, I, when I, I do evaluations, I actually, I know that sounds kind of nerdy, but I go back to, whatever company I'm working for gives me as a true guideline of what they expect. And I really try to take myself out of it as much as I can and really look at just their performance. But what else, what about your mood when you're getting ready to write them or give them? <laughs> have, a, have a bad day, have a bad morning, 
get cut off in traffic, get bad news from your boss, whatever that is, something personal, uh, the pressure of execution in your own job, your own goals. And again, like I said earlier, is this evaluation getting in the way of all that? And are you rated something and you can't filter that? And this is a really big issue. I don't want to say issue, but it occurs a lot where the leader gets an evaluation and then they're going to take it out on everybody else that they couldn't score high. Well, if I can't score high, how can my team not score? You know, why should they score high? And do you filter all of that? Because you, you, everybody's being evaluated by somebody. I mean, even the CEO, maybe it might not be a handwritten evaluation, but the board of directors are looking at that person too. And how do you guard against bad information or something didn't go right and something that happened to you? And you're not going to send that downward because you look at, well, if I didn't score high, how in the world can uh, my, my team score high? Are you allowing different people to arrive at the same goals differently? They do things at introverts versus extroverts. Um, people who are very methodical versus people who shoot from the hip, but their gut is right. All of those different things. Are you able to really go through that whole evaluation about what actually happened and what behaviors they did to get to where you want to go? Are you able to do those things? And that's a really hard thing to do of all those pressures on you as the writer, how you're going to create it, what you're going to base it on, how you're going to give it. Do you really give time to do it? I, I have literally had more than once um, somebody act like the person giving it to me, the evaluation, like it was the biggest burden of their day. And they couldn't get through fast enough. They were reading it word for word like a speed reader. And then when they, I don't even know if they took a breath, honestly. And by the end of it, they just like, you got any questions? Well, does it matter <laughs> if they have any questions? So how you give it is, is so critical. And as a leader, you have got to carve out time for yourself to do it right, to write it the right way and to give it the right way. So let's, let's talk about like changing some mentalities toward evaluations themselves. So on a, on a website, there's a blog really called Bonusly Blog. This is nine research-backed reasons to rethink your annual employee evaluations by George Dixon. So 72% of companies yearly still conduct evaluations and a People IQ survey found 87% both managers and employees felt annual reviews are not effective. Boy, if that doesn't say it all right there, I don't know what does. And if everybody's do, just about 72% are doing them and almost 90% say they're ineffective, then what the heck are we doing? Why are we doing it? So listen to these nine research-backed reasons to rethink it. So number one, they're overly simplistic for a complicated subject. All you did reduced to a few numerical stats. I mean, think about that. You ever felt that way when you got your evaluation? Like all the work you did for a whole year, there's five to seven different numbers that make that up. And yeah, I mean, you can say, hey, it's just like a report card in school and you have multiple subjects like math and English and a foreign language and all that kind of stuff. But it really kind of is just disheartening if, if your evaluation is just numbers and there's no information there, but it just really categorizes everything overly simplistically and you're thinking wait you think my job's simple come try it come try doing my job for a week number two 
Even great employees are crushed by negative feedback. And there are many university statistics to uh, look at this about how constructive criticism doesn't really help because no matter how you slice it, it is so hard to not deprogram someone in a sense, no matter how nice you're trying to be. And usually when we say constructive criticism, cr constructive criticism, it comes off as really passive aggressive and it's not very helpful. Um, you really should be talking about where you're going. That's where all your focus should be. Because if this, you know, whoever you're evaluating is really struggling, that should have already been handled in another capacity. The, the, the evaluation should be where they're headed and what they need to work on. Number three, evaluations are traditionally one-sided. The uh, idiosyncratic Raider effect by Marcus Buckingham said, 61% of rating uh, is reflective of the person giving it. And that's what I talked to you about before. You think about the leader getting an evaluation. Are they going to do an evaluation like they got? Or they just think about their mindset in your role. How would I, if I'm the vice president of marketing, but it's your job to come up with a marketing campaign, and I go to write your evaluation, but I write it from, well, if I was the, if I was in charge of the marketing campaign, here's what I would say or do, but you didn't do that. So you're going to get a lower score. That's really what that's talking about. And that's really a big pitfall. Number four, I'm sure this is going to re resonate with a lot of you. Never good enough. No matter how hard you try, they'll always be subjective. They'll always want more rather than, can you just say thank you? I mean, I had one, I had a person talk, tell me once that, you know, you shouldn't give a compliment and then say, but X, Y, and Z, because you just killed your compliment. And, and then he told me, don't say however, either. That's just the word, but dressed up in a tuxedo to make it sound better. So you say you got really great communication skills. However, when it comes to email, you could do better. He just killed the compliment. That did not help. And however, is just a butt in a tuxedo. Number five, some evaluation frameworks pit employees against each other and kill teamwork. What do you do to contribute to the team? I mean, that's the thing is, is when you really pit them against each other, they don't want to help each other. You see this predominantly on sales teams, but this can carry over into anything else, especially when you're making what you're, you're seeing public in between the same group of people doing the same job that the leader is making how they work public. So they get kudos and everybody else wants that, but they can't get it unless they do it. Well, they can't help their friend if they're going to get it. Number seven, subject to many biases. We talked about that or stack raking versus individual performance. Um, what lens are you looking through? Again, the biasing, it could be, I hope, it's not race or gender, but it could also be introvert versus extrovert. It could be education level. It could be, here, here's one thing as a leader you have to guard against all the time is do you gravitate toward people who are just like you? And that's a human, that's normal for humans to do, to congregate around people with like interests, things they like to do, how they like to talk about stuff. That could be anything um, sports related versus I'm not into sports or politics or whatever, you're going to hang out with the people who are the same like you and you really have to guard against that. And you certainly can't write evaluations that way either. Uh, number eight, they are expensive. Time and cost. How many managers race through to get back to work? And we talked about that earlier. Number nine, they occur 
too infrequently to be actionable. Now, here's what you always see at the bottom of valuation settings. Once a year, remember that. There's always goals, right? There's always, okay, here's what we need to do. How often when you get an evaluation or if you get an evaluation that does have goals, which most of you probably do, how often you ever revisit those goals? How often does your leader pull you aside and say, hey, you know, you're supposed to work on these goals. How can I help with that? Probably never. So what can we do differently to be more effective? How can we look at evaluations differently? So let's look at a few options. I'm going to throw this one out there right out of the gate. What about no evaluations at all? Just none. Now wait, no, no. still have a pay review, like still get a raise and all those things, your compensation package, and I get that. But what if there was no evaluations? And hear me out on this one. And for those of you who are in the HR department, you're probably freaking out. You're like, we got to have a record of their performance. And how do we hold them accountable if that doesn't happen and all that? I, I get all that. But if you're constantly coaching and mentoring and really moving them along, what's kind of the point of an evaluation? What if you took that and turned it into, here's where you're going. We already know what you've done. I mean, I can instinctively look at everybody on my team, and I bet you can too, of who they are, how they are, what they've accomplished, you know, what their strengths and weaknesses are, all that kind of stuff. You could easily do that, right? So what's the point of the evaluation? To make it even with everybody in performance? You already know that in your head. And, you know, if you're letting bad behaviors continue, that's on you. I hate to say it. Well, I don't hate to say it, actually. As a good leader, that's on you for allowing that to, to violate your culture boundaries of your team. So if you're doing all those things and you're mentoring people constantly and you're giving them good feedback, you know, the, the great Ken Blanchard always says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. If you're doing all that, what do you need the evaluation for? How about we write something that says, okay, you're here now. How do you get over here to the other place? How do you get to a higher level and not worry about the, the behavior that's, that's dead and gone? Because I would bet you a lot of your evaluation pieces are things that have already been discussed, already been covered. If you're, you have a company that does um, you know, write-ups or counseling statements, whatever you call them, reprimands, all of that, how many of those creep back in to your evaluation? Well, they happened during that year, so we got to talk about them, right? Well, why? That's not who you are anymore. And if you are, it's, it's kind of on the leader, I think, for not dealing with that and, and you know, moving you along, finding somewhere else for you to go. That's a problem. So that's option one. No evaluation at all. And uh, secretly, I'm voting for that one. But um, how about the monthly check-in or weekly? Is that too much? You know, is your team too large for that? Could be. Um, what about quarterly, every six months? You know, how do you follow up with goals that you gave them as the leader? If it's just once a year, they might not even work for you in a year. You might not work for them in a year. You might be somewhere else. So if you have an evaluation once a year and you give goals, is that even effective anymore if it's such a long time frame? But is a short time frame too much to deal with? Yeah, probably. I mean, weekly, you're saying weekly. How can you do evaluation weekly? I just mean like you're just checking in with folks. But that kind of supports my first option. You won't need an evaluation if you're checking in with them a lot. And by check-in, you know, I really mean that. Not at the end. That's a follow-up. Checking in occurs while things are going on. Quarterly, I think, would be pretty good. Every six months, that's probably starting to get too long because it's not just really about 
their behavior and performance, but how much of your business is exactly the same six months from now or a year from now? So if all you're doing with evaluations is a year or even six months, is that too long? Does that even keep up with your business that it would make sense? And I think the year of 2020 sure showed us that, how many people are now working remotely and how do you keep your team working together when they don't see each other? I mean, Zoom calls are nice, but after a year of that, you can't possibly feel like you're on the same team if all you see your teammates are on a, on a computer screen. That's got to be difficult. So how do you do all that? Because things, business changes over time. So is that effective? If you really want to help your people, you have to talk to them about where they're going. So if you find yourself you know, writing negative evaluations or just dreading writing them for some people, why are they still on your team? So if you have those feelings, and here's where I'm going to get real with you as a leader, because you're listening to a podcast. So you're either a leader or you'd really like to be. If you dread the evaluation process as a leader, and I'm not talking about the structure of whatever your company has. I'm really talking about the part, like I said in the beginning, where you pull the car over, you have an opportunity to talk to someone. And hopefully you have a company, the, the environment, maybe you can go someplace quiet and have an evaluation if that's possible. But regardless of that, if you don't look forward to that, there's, that's a gut check as a leader. You should want to, I can't wait to sit down and help this person get to another level. And if you can't say that, you really have to start wondering why are they still there? What are you allowing to be on your team? that's not producing. You know, many of you are in a situation that you can't change the evaluation process at your company. I get that. Are you checking in with your team's daily behaviors and decisions though? Because while you can't necessarily change your company's structure or evaluations, I get that. But what you can do is set your team up to where those evaluations are the most fruitful they possibly can be because you, as the leader, you're always protecting the most important thing when it comes to your team's behavior. It's the everyday daily behaviors and decisions that'll either move your team forward or hinder it, how they interact with each other, that hidden productivity of when they're not really connected and rowing the boat in the same direction. That's what matters. Are you protecting your team's culture? You, as the leader, you've got to protect the culture boundaries of your team. One thing you can do is give them a blank evaluation. It's like giving them the answers to the test and say, here's what we're going to be talking about. And really lay down some mutual accountability with that. When you're giving your team a blank evaluation, it's not just, here you go, good luck. It's, here's what I'm, like I just said, I'm going to be looking at these things in six months or a year. Well, that means not only they know what that is, but how are you helping them with that? You're obligated to do that. And the more you do that, you're going to find a couple of things that happen, some great benefits. Number one, you're going to be a great leader because you're going to be focused on how to make people better. Number two, over time, your team's going to believe that because they're going to see this constant behavior out of you and they're going to start behaving like that. And they're going to gravitate toward that. And that's just going to be a cyclical thing that's just going to feed off of itself. But whatever you do, make it count. It's for you and your team, the evaluation process. Not just some paperwork you got to do 
some report you got to fill out, some things to satisfy. Oh, I know I'm giving them a raise anyway, but I'm just going to do this one you know, thing and just get through. Don't do that. Make it count. It's for you and them. Your job as a leader is to build your team so they don't need you anymore. Thank you so much for joining me for another show. Please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and start up your own discussions on the topic of the show. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a show. And check out the links in the show notes and give us a rating so we know how we're doing and five stars would be pretty sweet. So until next week, remember, you know you have to get work done with other people, but how you get done work with other people is entirely up to you.